0: welcome to the Dow of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode.
1: Hello, everyone, Buddy C. Welcome to the Dow of our Understanding Recovery Podcast. Today, we have Marla and Amy and Chris and Matt. Welcome, Matt, to a newbie to our recording. Craig, Dennis, and Lou. Thank you, guys. Glad y'all could be here today. Any comments? I know we're going to talk about Duke Juan and the Wheelwright is our story for today from Thomas Merton's interpretation of Chaunce's book that we've been going through. This is pages 82 and 83 from the book. Uh, Marla, do you have this handy? Would you like to read for us?
2: Duke Guan and the Wheelwright. The world values books and thinks that in so doing, it is valuing Tao. But books contain words only. And yet there's something else which gives value to the books. Not the words only, nor the thought in the words, but something else within the thought, swinging it in a certain direction that words cannot apprehend. But it is the words themselves that the world values when it commits them to books. And though the world values them, these words are worthless as long as that which gives them value is not held in honor. That which man apprehends by observation is only outward form and color, name and noise. And he thinks that this will put him in possession of Tao form and color, name and sound do not reach to reality. That is why, quote, he who knows does not say, he who says does not know, unquote. How then is the world gonna know Tao through words? Duke Wan of Qi, first in his dynasty, sat under his canopy reading his philosophy and Pin, the wheelwright, was out in the yard making a wheel. Pin laid aside, hammer and chisel climbed the steps, and said to Duke Juan, may I ask you, Lord, what is this you are reading? The Duke said, the experts, the authorities, and Pin asked, alive or dead? Dead a long time. Then said the wheelwright, you are reading only the dirt they left behind. Then the Duke replied, what do you know about it? You're only a wheelwright. You had better give me a good explanation or else you must die. The wheelwright said, let us look at the affair from my point of view. When I make wheels, if I go easy, they fall apart. If I'm too rough, they do not fit. And if I'm neither too easy nor too violent, they come out right. The work is what I want it to be. You cannot put this into words. You just have to know how it is. I cannot even tell my own son exactly how it is done. And my own son cannot learn it from me. So here I am, 70 years old, still making wheels. The men of old took all they really knew with them to the grave. And so, Lord, what you are reading there is only the dirt they left behind them.
1: Thanks, Marla. Comments. Chris, you have
3: something? You know, I'm still puzzled by it. <laughs> it. It just sort of turns everything upside down. I think, in a way, um, and I, okay to start off, I I really like the um, swinging it in a certain direction that words cannot uh, apprehend. Thinking in terms of words apprehending a concept here.
1: Um, like the words are um like the concepts there and the words can't attract it like like it's separate from the words you can't apprehend it like you can't catch it
3: you can't catch it and yeah right huh and it's the words themselves that the world values when it commits them to books
1: it's interesting we've got I think two dynamics here. We've got what the world values and what actually touches the dial, right?
3: That's mm-hmm. kind of the
1: two thoughts here, that the world says it's the words and that the words can't apprehend the real knowledge.
3: The real value.
1: Yeah, the real value.
3: Yeah. And um, it, it devalues, to me, the the value of books, in a way. Agreed. Um, right? It
2: was, it was a, a little confusing in that, you know, I, I read books and I can, f- you know, feel the emotion through the words. That's what I thought
4: mm-hmm. was,
2: was supposed to happen.
4: Mm-hmm. No, I... I don't know if I've got the same thing. Um, I just recently started, within the last year, maybe, um, really reading books. I know that sounds terrible, but I'm a numbers person. So I kind of got excited when I was looking at this. I was like, yes, because... Finally, I got to a point in my life where my mind was open enough to possibly receive only part of what the author might be trying to portray in the collection of words that were on a piece of paper, because I think there, this this piece of paper, because I printed it out, this piece of paper has just a bunch of words on it, but together... If we kind of think about the space in between the words or the thoughts in between the sentences or however you want to look at it, then that's where the meaning is. And it truly could be and should be maybe up for interpretation to whomever is reading the words, while at the same time, the author of whatever book we're talking about might have some other meaning, you know, his or her meaning and thought behind the words put on the paper may not be what I perceive them as. But I can come back to the same thing and read it later. And my experiences are different. So I get a different experience from reading the words and thinking about them collectively. So the words themselves may not be able to, each individual words may not be able to apprehend the total thought or or meaning but the reader the person experiencing the book or the words will be able to
1: think about amy think about this we talked about this multiple times what is it in recovery it's not the words that are important let's say someone you sponsor you don't tell them how, what they should do. You don't give them advice. What do you do? You share your experience. So could this be talking about the experience that's behind the words? I started thinking about Mm -hmm. that. And it was that that's the value that the words bring is the experience behind the words. If you're in recovery, you know what I'm talking about because it's that experience that does it. I was thinking about The 48th chapter of the Tao Te Ching, it says, One who seeks knowledge learns something new every day. One who seeks the Tao unlearns something new every day. Less and less remains until you arrive at non-action. When you arrive at non-action, nothing will be left undone. Master of the world is achieved by letting things take their natural course. You cannot master the world by changing the natural way. So I was just thinking about how if we're thinking words are going to tell us what we need to know, they're not. They may point us in the direction of experience, but we have to experience what's going on. We can't depend on uh, uh, books uh, to, to be the ultimate value there. Right,
5: I mean the the map is not the territory, right? You can have a map that kind of shows you where you're going and has some ideas, but it, it's not the it's not what it looks like when you're out there in the real world. Mm-hmm. Reading about going for a walk in the woods isn't the same as going for a walk in the woods. Um, LeBron James or Michael Jordan or any of these top athletes, Tiger Woods, um, Serena Williams, they can they can tell me how to hold the racket or how to shoot the basketball. They can write a dissertation on it, but I ain't going to do it. Can't do it. Not, not that way.
1: <laughs> hey, Lou, describe to someone how a strawberry tastes. You can't do it. Right. can't do it. That's the difference, is the taste of the strawberry versus uh, writing about it and describing it.
5: I had that personal experience with the Grand Canyon. Everybody says, oh, it's huge. It's enormous. You won't believe it till you see it. Um, and, and I went there, and I was, yep, they were right. I had no idea. I think it's the same as coming to grandparent, too. You don't know until you get there, but it's wonderful. But it's that experience of it, and you don't, you know, the experts, reading the experts, reading philosophy and the experts um, might show you the map, but it's certainly not the territory.
0: Hmm. Matt? Uh, yeah. Uh, it's curious to me that this was just all we were reading tonight because. This came up in a conversation I was having with my sponsor today. We generally just chat when we talk, and um, I couldn't have said what the story was told was called, but we were talking about. I'd said, "Well, I'd better not say that in the meeting. <laughs> it's going to upset the old people." Uh, and he laughed because, yeah, it would. And um, I mentioned there's a story. Uh, it's what we were talking about and we were talking about the big book and the value of a big book to me it's not what's written in it it's not somebody else's interpretation of what's written in it it's as much of the intent of the authors that I can get from reading the words that are left for dust that is important whether Joe from Skegness that was on here called Joe takes great offence at, at me mentioning that I always wondered but never questioned the use of the word fourth dimension the word fourth needn't be in there I never questioned that in recovery I just yeah, it's not my dimension uh, but it's the best that can be left from their message and other people's interpretation of that message. though The gist may be exactly the same. There's subtle differences. And that's what I take from this. Yeah. You know?
1: d- d- thank you, Matt. Just like the stories out of the back of the big book. You know, when they wrote the big book, it was a... Uh, substitute for meetings. They didn't have meetings everywhere. And so many people wanted information about AA. They took the big book and they sent it to them and people got sober off of reading the big book.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That was how it started. Uh, was that, and they would send a big book and then they would follow up with letters back and forth. And people got sober just off of reading the stories in the big book. So there's something about our experience, whether we we share it in words or whether we share it in a podcast or whether we share it in a meeting or one on one, that if we stick with our experience, uh, I think the God of our misunderstanding is in our experience, not in our words, and that's what makes the difference in our life. And that's what's conveyed is uh, our our God is. Whatever got us sober is conveyed in our experience. That's why we stick to this is what I did rather than this is what you should do. Or this is what, this is what would get you sober. I don't want to get you sober. But I know what got me sober, and that's what I talk about. So, Greg?
6: So just we were talking about the um, the books and the, the stories in the books. This first when I started reading it, it reminded me of Spider-Man, because Spider-Man's a true story the guy who's swinging through New York on his webs and um, somebody once "Some with great power comes great responsibility. I think it's the same with the books. When we're reading the books, we're reading the books for knowledge. I think with great knowledge comes great responsibility as well. Um, if I'm reading books, then I, I have a look at the intention behind why I'm reading the book. What do what I want to gain out of this book? Uh, and a lot of us do this when we come into recovery, we, we get fired into all this quit lit books and, um, we're sitting, we kind of get ourselves bogged down with it because we're taking in all this information, but we're not acting on it as well. All we're really doing is just sitting on all this stuff and, you know, we can be as academic and as, as, as smart and intelligent as we want, but unless we're actually using what's in the books and actually practicing the um, actually practicing everything that's, all the lessons that are taught within the book, uh, I think sometimes we're wasting our time. We should really be sticking to more of the practical thing. The other thing that jumped out at this as well is when the Wheelwright was talking to the Duke it was, it was almost as if the Duke was saying, look, my book's saying that you're doing it wrong. I've never done your job, but it says that you're doing it wrong. And the wheelwright's kind of like, well, you are, you've, never, you've never done it. So, you know, quit reading your books, get off your backside and come and give me a hand and just see how it's actually done. Um, let's, let's quit talking about it and let's go and actually start doing it. It was like myself when I came into recovery. Um I don't know if anybody's sponsored themselves before as well. I, I sat and read the big book. Yeah, Amy's done it. She's laughing. I was, uh, I was reading the big book and trying to sponsor myself and going along as well. But do you know what I was thinking? I didn't have the experience. I didn't know what I was doing. And I was kind of going around this circle and I was thinking to myself, do you know what? This shit doesn't work. It doesn't work because I didn't have the person behind me hold my hand and show me how to actually do it. Um, so I, I think that's a massive benefit behind having the knowledge. But as well as having the knowledge, we need to have the practical to go along with it um it's good to refer back to these books now and again um but i think actually getting off and getting off your backside and actually doing stuff it's like it's like going to meetings you can go to a meeting sit in the meeting sit at the back of the meeting and then just go that's not that's not going to a meeting not all you're doing is attending the meeting going to a meeting actually means getting involved setting the place up making some making some people the coffee and Tidying up at the back and actually getting great and involved in things as well. So there's, there has to be a lot of doing as well. I think last week she's talked about inaction. I think this week it's kind of promoting the fact that we need to have the action to go along with the knowledge as well. And I find that quote that you're looking for as well, buddy the, um, the one about not being able to see your face in the running water. Thank you,
1: sir. What do you guys think about that last sentence in the first paragraph where it talks about that words are worthless as long as that which gives them value is not held in honor?
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you don't respect the author, is that what they're talking about?
2: Explain what they're talking about, because it's a confusing sentence. Explain what you think they're talking about. He's talking about it's.
1: I'm thinking of uh, seeking the life that's in the words rather than the words themselves. Between be- the letters, Amy, like you were saying. I'm sorry, Dennis, go ahead. I was
7: thinking, well, that one there, I a thought came to mind that uh, not held in honor, that means when you take the words for just being what the apprehensive mind can see, um, which is just the form and color, that comes in, in the in the second half of that big paragraph, the last paragraph in that one there, and actually, if I read that through, it says, that which man apprehends by observation is only outward form and color, name and noise, and he thinks that this will put him in possession of the Tao. That means he stays in that materialistic world of, of our senses, uh form and call a name and sound do not reach reality that is why he who knows does not say he who says does not know uh how then is the world going to know the Tao through the words uh um, what,
1: what do you think of that uh thank you Dennis that's great uh he who knows does not say and who say he who says does not know what 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 do you how do you interpret that you have some greater understanding on that sentence are you asking me yes
7: oh my goodness don't do that mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> see that's that's the thing i think if if you already know you don't have to say that much you just dwell with what is within right and and and, and the whole paragraph the bigger one here is i mean it seems to me, when you're trying to apprehend something, you're, you're giving it to the mind. You're not going into that innermost self that we're trying to reach through meditation and, and being aware, um, and be awake all the time. Then, then you don't get this. But if the words are, if the words are put together in the right, in, in the right way, they will open up a gateway for something. I mean, the Big Book is a great example. I mean, Bill W. He wrote how it works overnight, and it just came fluently to him. And for some reason, those words were put in the right direction, and that means that that means a lot to to millions of people that, that wants to to go into recovery, right? How but, about yeah. yeah? How
1: about this translation? That's the, from the fifty-sixth verse of the Tao Te Ching. Uh, this is another trans, uh, um, interpretation of the Tao Te Ching. It says, uh, "The one who knows how to love does not have to speak. The one who is fearful speaks continually." That's good. I think so. I think so. Uh, was it Matt who raised her hand? Matt, yes, sir.
0: So, that Yes, but it is the worst himself that the world values when it commits them to books. And though the world values them, the words are worthless, as long as that word which gives them value is not held in honour. Now, The way I would interpret this its just how I would. People may like a word because it's a good word, like humility. So they'll value that word because, yeah, yeah, it's be humble, I'm, I'm so humble. But the word has no meaning, unless the true humility itself is valued. The word itself is worthless if its meaning is actually not valued. And that's how I would take that. And the thing about he who knows does not say or whatever, uh, I've two different translations. Uh, I do not feel the need to tell people what I know. If somebody wants to ask me a question, I will do my best to answer them. I know people who who like to be of more knowledge. And I often hear them say things, I uh, think, don't say they're infantile, you know, but no, I just think that's not true. You know, uh, you're talking nonsense. But I don't say it because I don't need to. Um, so I keep quiet unless asked. It's something like a podcast. Well, I'm trying to think. <laughs> yeah. I think you get the gist.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Matt. I do. Thank you. And it's exactly what, uh, and Amy mentioned humility and Craig and Chris talked about ego. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. Lou, what you have, sir?
5: I was just thinking about that um, word being honored thing. And it, it kind of reminds me of um, if it resonates with you, you know, somebody can say something and they can write beautiful things. But if it doesn't resonate with you, if you don't have some experience within yourself that matches up to it, if you're not, you know, if it's like a clanger on a, on a bell, if, if it doesn't strike you and if you're not ripe for it to, to strike you, then it's just clanging around but if there's a resonance to it if you're ready and you you know if you're ready and you're reading reading any book with the big book or if you're or some teaching um and it turns the light on for you that's that may be something where you're honoring it or you're you're bringing your part to it your experience to it and it alters your experience
7: exactly. so so what we're talking about here is that uh Is 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 that like uh, when when the when the student is ready, the words will appear, or the right words will appear, kind of Mm sort
3: Okay, I
4: think
7: instead of the master, it will just be the words.
1: Yeah, Amy, what you got, ma'am?
4: Yeah, yeah, um, great because what I was thinking is, you know, I had a copy of uh, Stephen Mitchell's Dow for uh, quite a number of months, and I I opened it and I read a couple, and it was a great dust collector for a while. And then I embarked mm-hmm. on this journey of actually studying it and participating in this podcast. And um, so those words themselves were just words, right? There were, they, they really were no value to me while they were sitting in that book on my shelf or wherever I, I thought I would move it from my coffee table. Maybe I'd read it, you know, but until I was ready. Like I read this as these words are this part. These words are worthless as long as that which gives them value is not held in honor. So was I at a spiritual place holding myself with enough self-worth to bring value to the words I was reading or, or even experiencing them? Not really until I was ready. Mm -hmm. And then I knew, okay, now I feel like I'm in a spiritual place that I can even begin to try to understand what these words collectively mean on that page. Then the other part, I think, was just was just
1: humility, you know, and pride. Um, But yeah, yeah, go ahead. Think about this, Amy. The thing, I know for me, the thing that attracted me to study the Tao was not that I thought I understood it, but was the fact I did not understand it. It was the misunderstanding, the, the lack of understanding that attracted me. It wasn't an ego thing. It was like, whew, you know, yeah. <laughs> when, I, when I experienced that, you know, it was like, I got to have more of this. I got to have more of this stuff I don't know. <laughs>
4: Well, and that's that's the thing. I had to, um, I had to be unprogrammed or deprogrammed, or or the the process of subtraction. I had open. to open. I, mind. I had to what, however you want to say it. I had to be open minded. I had to be empty. I had to be be surrendered enough. I, you know, I, I, I had to be at that point, whatever you want to call it. I don't, not into really labeling stuff, but we all know the concept, right. Um, before I could appreciate it and now those words have tons of value and the value changes and grows. And maybe one verse means this one day and and has more value than it did the last time I read it or, you know, so, yeah, that, that's how I took that.
1: That's good. Yeah. Thank that's you. Good. Any other comments? How about we talked about learning versus unlearning? It finally boiled down to near the end on page 83. You cannot put this into words you just have to know so how do we apply this what's the practical what's the practical application of this the wheelwright told the Duke that you just have to do it
7: that was what I thought I had a thought isn't it an action of just doing it is that what it means?
1: yeah I think so I, I don't I, I, that's what I would think.
5: And he said, "Without too much, what do you say? Without too much force, and without too little force, or that's not exactly right, but something like that.
3: If I am too rough, they do not fit. That's it. I was
2: thinking about I was I was thinking about those three that line when I was um I equated it to making making an IKEA chair. It's like you can't make the screws too tight, or else nothing's going to fit. You can't make it too loose, or it's going to fall apart. It's got to be just right."
1: the way you learn that's by doing it though.
2: by doing it absolutely yeah i'm building up this furniture all by myself
1: lou you want to comment on what you put in the chat
5: oh it was when you know what amy was talking about you know they, <laughs> i don't know how many meetings i've been in when you've been in been in a meeting with somebody that's been in it for 30 years and they're reading something out of the out of the literature and they say oh, i don't think i ever saw that before and you know damn well they've read it hundreds of times or dozens and dozens of times but it it rang it rang the bell this one time it was they were ripe for it and uh you know that it seems to me like that happens quite a bit to me where i might have the same experience i can't think of what it was right now but it was like a few days ago i'm thinking like i'm 65 years old and i just thought of that now what the heck
1: He he, who has ears to hear, let him hear. Right, right. <laughs> Not that he just got ears; it's just that he couldn't hear it. Right.
0: That actually happened to me quite recently. A number of times I've read Doctor Paulo's story in the big book, and I had never, until recently, focused on a petition, page four twenty, uh, and the important, the most important thing for me to remember is my serenity is inversely related or inversely proportional to my expectations i've read that i've read that several times but i hadn't read it if you know i'm getting at. but i read that recently or a few months ago and it hit it, it, it hit the spot you know um and as for that will write I don't see how a book could let you know when the wheels right. How would you put that into words? Whereas if you had practice, you've, you've made wheels, they've fallen to bits. You've made wheels, they've been too tight. You feel it's an action, and you can't. I don't think, I don't see how that could be put into words. How do you explain? If us.
3: well i I was just reading the line is the only dirt they left behind them um, that's a strong image I mean uh, so what is to me what is the the question I have is why why such a strong image what what is there something more significant about it
6: Great. Yeah, I think I think what Chris is getting at is the fact that it's just dust that they've left you. It's just it's just dirt that they've left you. I thought about this as well. I thought that's a bit. It's kind of a bit strong, is it not? They've left you instructions, but I think Wheelwright's talking about is the fact that his dad showed him how to be a Wheelwright. He actually physically showed him rather than just leaving him the instructions. Um, it's, it's it's kind of like that. That the hand. The, it's, it's in the old days. Before before my time, people used to do the same work as their dad, and their dad would kind of like apprentice them and, and show them how to do the jobs and those skills and those trades would be handed down through generations. Whereas this one here, it's kind of almost as if it's it's like it's like I IKEA instructions that somebody finds in the drawers after about fifty years, yeah. and they are kind of like what what does that mean? Um, they've not had that experience. They've not had to, they've not had to hand the hand me down and the actual apprenticeship or the the, the trade to follow, to to actually show them how it's physically
7: done. That is it so so the wheel guy there, he he's learning through experience of something that's been passed down. Now this story has been passed down too, right? But they weren't then it's just dirt in the sand because it, it seems outdated because it's not kept up. It's just I guess when you don't honor the words, I don't know if that's it. But I do find it ironic because aren't we sitting here trying to apprehend uh the dirt in the sand of this reading right here. Isn't that kind of the unless unless it has un, unless we're honoring the words? Otherwise, I see it kind of ironic that that we are. Mm-hmm.
5: I got to hand it to him too because it was it got the Duke's uh, attention when he said that. Mm-hmm. That's just dirt. What do you mean? <laughs> what do you know about it?
2: And he'll be killed if uh, he just he gave his opinion. Yeah, that was a good line.
5: He hon- he honored his he honored what he was doing. He put his life on the line for it.
1: I was thinking about what you were talking about, Chris. About the the dirt, the words being the dirt. If if all we think the value is is in what's written, then that would be the dirt. The value's <laughs> got to be more than what is written. Right. It's like the big book, uh, Marla.
2: Is it like the Bible?
1: Yeah, like any book of value, it's got to be worth more than the words that are there. It's what's between the words. It's the spirit, the experience behind the words, not the words themselves. That That's why, you know, any kind of spiritual writing, you can have two people read it. And one gets this spiritual interpretation. It means so much to them, no matter what we're talking about. And then another person can read it and they see something, see nothing, or see something totally different and it's of no value to them. So I think it's interesting how two people can read the same thing and get totally different things out of it.
3: I've wondered if people can get the same value out of reading the big book as other people do reading the Bible.
1: Um, seems to
2: happen. Mm. That seems like it happens a lot.
3: Does it? Yeah.
1: Or read some of the, or the Tao Te Ching, like we read yeah. it. Like a, yeah. I was talking to someone with lots of time in recovery and it's like, this did not resonate with them at all. And mm-hmm. I was thinking, how is this not resonating with you? <laughs> You know, what do you mean it doesn't appeal to you? It doesn't appeal to anybody. I don't understand that, you know. Mm. But that's the truth. And, you know, that's, you just let people find their way.
3: So it's what you bring to it that's as important as what is actually there. Yeah. yeah.
5: Jesus Jesus said, I am, I am the word, right? Um, forget, you know, the, there's scriptures, those old scriptures, but I'm right here right now and uh showing you how to do it being the Mm. being the master wheelwright um so that it's the what you're saying i think about that resonance and that being ready for it and and when you see somebody like that then you know um it's authentic what they're doing when someone is at the top of their whatever it is you can tell they've done the work I don't even know what I'm talking about right now. I'm going to myself.
3: <laughs> well, that's it's getting into mastery of an art, of a craft, right?
4: So the couple of things that I was talking about was, or not talking about, but thinking about, um, one, taking pictures. I, I love to take pictures. I love to travel. I love to take pictures. And then I come back and I have this collection of pictures of my travels. Well, I can't, and i've been to some really cool places what i can't bring back are the feelings the smells the sensations the the ambiance whatever you know um of what being in that holy place or sacred place i can't bring that back yes i can bring pictures and say oh this was beautiful and oh i felt this and and i can i can tell you what i felt and what i heard and what i smelled but it's not the same. The other thing is, um, I was, I was laughing when we first read this and started talking about this, about the, you know, him not being able, I cannot even tell my own son exactly how it's done. My mama bless her heart has tried to teach me how to make biscuits Show me what to do. First of all, ask someone from the South how what their recipe is for chicken pot pie or chicken and dumplings. Or it's just this and that. And I don't know. It's just some of this because it's just done. So she's tried to teach me how to make biscuits since I was a little girl. And if she was right there with me making the biscuits, they were just beautiful, fluffy, yummy biscuits. But the second I try to make those biscuits away from being right there with my mom, they are not wonderful, fluffy, yummy biscuits. They're some, I don't even know if they're a version of them, (laughs) but it's, it's just what I thought. It's just a good example of, I can't tell you how to do this. I can just, do this, and you can just do this. Now, if I were to go in the kitchen and practice making biscuits over and over and over and over, as many biscuits as my mom has made, then they probably would ultimately get to be fluffy, yummy biscuits.
1: But you'd be doing it then.
4: Yes, exactly.
1: I would be doing it. How about this from the 11th verse? We mold clay into a pot, but is the emptiness inside that makes the vessel useful.
7: Go back to the emptiness. I think that that's important.
1: Always. Our approach to the words have to be a, an approach of emptiness, right?
7: So the, so the understanding of these words, you have to go back to emptiness. I mean, read them and not try to apprehend them with the, with the mind, but go back to the emptiness to kind of get, get the, the full picture.
2: The great unlearning. It's unlearning.
1: My, my Zen study group, they say, we read these words, but try not to understand them with your head. Try to understand them with your heart.
2: <laughs> Very true.
1: I'm like, whoa, Matt, you have something?
0: Yeah, to- um, I just want to go back to that. I think dirt should not be undervalued. Um, my first reading, my first time i heard the allegory of the vinegar testers um the Taoist is it's content to be the dust of the earth um in this story could it be a metaphor for the dirt from a footprint and that footprint being matt i don't know um but
1: how do we approach our higher power It's the God of our misunderstanding, right? Mm. Not the God of our understanding. Mm. And the more I'm at this, the less I understand, not the more I understand. I came into this Mm. thinking I had it figured out and I have dismantled that whole belief over all of these years. Used to, it was so important what I thought and you needed to agree with me because we had to have it figured out. It was a fear behind it, right? I had to know what God was because I was afraid going to hell. I had to know, I had to get God figured out. And it's the opposite now where it's like, it's just dismantling that whole idea. It's all, it's an unlearning really.
5: Yeah. It, yeah. It reminds me of the, the powerlessness and the surrender, the emptiness. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I like emptiness better than, <laughs> than yeah. those.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Luke.
7: It brings me back to, to, to the spiritual donkey all the time. The spiritual donkeys, well, you can pack a donkey with all the spiritual readings in the world, but in the end of the day, it's still just going to be a donkey. Right? So <laughs> I,
3: I like that thought. An overloaded donkey. <laughs> yes, an overloaded donkey. Exactly. An ang- that's angry. actually good. An overloaded
5: donkey. That's good. Angry, that's good. angry tired, overloaded donkey. <laughs> who,
1: who, if we're not careful, will think he, he knows a lot more than he does. <laughs> <laughs> that was me. <laughs>
6: Yeah, you're do you, stubborn. Guys, good do you story, guys put right? lipstick on your donkeys as well? <laughs> oh, now no, we're entering a whole other area there, Just Craig.
1: the pigs. Just, Just the pigs.
6: <laughs> and that's a different <laughs> program, Craig.
1: It's not this program. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else, guys? This has been a good conversation. Thank you.
7: Well, I'm still baffled that you're saying it's a thing you don't understand because you actually got me when you talked about Lao Tzu and the vinegar test. Remember that? Mm-hmm. That, But that was not because of, of something I didn't understand. That was because that sounded logical to me. I was, I was, I was battling with the Bible and the, and then how how the woman was created out of a, a man's rib in, in Genesis. I was saying, yeah, this is, and I mean, that was when I was 10 years old. This is 1984. I don't think that's how it started. So this one here, I can kind of, wow, yeah. And then that opens up a door.
1: Brings us back to the moment. You know, it really In doesn't matter now, how, could I just say something? Uh, just save me a bit
0: of work on my time. If uh, Joe from Skafness does see this, uh, I was talking about a fictional Joe, not you. And if you don't remember the reference, it doesn't matter.
1: Thank you, Matt. Not just the, uh, not just, uh, read the words of the experience. Yes. Any other comments, guys? This has been a good, it, if we went back to that idea of not knowing,
3: mm.
1: that idea of emptiness, you know? Well, I like to save my life. Yeah. Approaching life from a place of emptiness is really it.
7: Which is funny because when I was still out there ripping and, 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 and running, emptiness was what I was afraid of. Because I felt empty and it was a bad thing now the the feeling of emptiness is a good
2: thing yeah seeking it out, seeking out mm-hmm. that emptiness
1: mm-hmm. is will you know and that's where for me the meditation comes in mm-hmm. of being able to sit knowing that there's nothing that I have to do or accomplish and leave room for. For what is when used to I would run from what is I wanted to be somewhere else other than here all the time
3: mm-hmm.
1: never made room for here I was always either in the past or in the future never in the moment never yeah that's good
2: mm-hmm. and there's so much noise in our heads too
1: mm-hmm. yeah I'm, I'm just seeing more and more value in integrating meditation into my entire day, into everything. Just little bits and pieces, five minutes here, five minutes there. Just making it part of my whole day instead of something I accomplish in the morning and I'm done.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, Oh, I've, okay. Check that off. I did my meditation. Okay. No, <laughs>
2: Now you need it.
1: Yeah. I'm much better off if I take, Five minutes at the top of every hour and meditate mm-hmm. than me taking 20 minutes or 30 minutes in the morning before the day starts. And just a little bit at the top of the hour, mm-hmm. every hour. Amy?
4: I'm just blown away right now. Why? Because I, that thought never crossed my mind. That option was never an option to me because mm-hmm. it just,
1: because I'm an all or nothing kind of check, right? Yeah, you're in the world of accomplishments, right? Yeah and goals. Yeah. Okay, I gotta do this and I've checked that off and ooh, I've earned I've got my my meditation start for the day. Yeah. That's
7: it's so funny. I've tried every Sunday to put that a day for a day of awareness. But then when I get around to it, I get started, but then I automatically forget about it. Even that every day should be a day about awareness. But putting one special day so you kind of focus on it would be a good thing, I heard. Um, and, and I've tried it, but I keep zoning out. So it's always coming back to it and, and be aware of every move I'm making. That's actually where you, you really find peace. It's interesting.
3: I find I have to take advantage of the opportunity to do it uh, when, it's, when I need it. Um, I can sense I need it. Just do it then instead of putting it off or walking away from it, just, um, I'm tired or something. I need to regroup and do it then.
1: Hmm. And if I'm not careful, I'll put meditation off to the very last thing. I'm like, why am I waiting till very last to do my meditation? Why is that? I still do that.
3: But I can, I can feel when I'm getting, you know, blocked up.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, and uh, and that's a good time to do it.
1: Really, for me, that's that's almost too late, Chris. I need to do. Mm-hmm. I, if I do it as part of my practice, I never get to that point. You know.
3: Mm, really. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And
2: um, group meditation is pretty, really, pretty big too. It's much different meditating with a group of people than it is by yourself. I prefer meditating with a bunch of people.
3: Yeah, and I like the, the uh, guided meditation very much Definitely. too. Yeah,
2: that too. It's really very help he, keep you in in the moment. I
7: mm-hmm. have a question about the guided meditation because I I, I prefer them better, but I think it's because I'm still using my hearing sense and isn't and I mean, isn't meditation where you're supposed to block off your your senses?
2: Yes yeah but we're so, we're I, so I'm so.
7: more comfortable with it because it, it can calm me down easier or faster than just sitting still.
2: And and how long then, can but. you actually focus on your breath maybe two, two, a minute and a half, two minutes?
7: Sometimes not that long, but then you you learn to go back and you, know, you observe that you're, you're you're in in thought, right? Then oh, here we go again, and then you can just go back.
3: I went through CBT uh, for a while, and they they said using music is fine, too. You know, the point is to be able to focus on or or sort of empty yourself to one thing rather Mm. than, you know, if your mind wanders, bring it back. If your mind wanders, bring it back. Mm. Like, that's what you were doing, Dennis, is talking about that. so. Um, and walking meditation is fine as well.
1: I, I think any, any meditation that, that we learn to that, the, that the thoughts are more background music, not that we, that we don't value our thoughts so much, you know, don't let them lead us off so easy. For me, that seems to be the real, to, to learn to just sit. And not be led astray with that seems to be one of the real gifts for me in meditation over time, Craig.
6: So, if you're doing a guided meditation, just what you were saying there, buddy, but your your thoughts wandering off, right? If you're leading the guided meditation, are you meditating as well because you're thinking these thoughts? You're. you're I kind of thought that when Dennis was when Dennis was doing it earlier on, and I was. I was kind of in that zone and then Dennis would talk and then I think about Dennis and then Dennis is like, don't think about your thoughts. And the thought that kept coming back to me was, is Dennis doing this as well? Is Dennis, it's not so much as he doing it, but is Dennis getting the full benefit of the the, the meditation at the same time as guiding it? Because math, I struggle to sit down for two minutes without thinking a, a silly thought at the best of times. But if I'm trying to do something like that, then the first thing I'm going to do is just stick to that thought and that's it, it's away with me. So Dennis, did you benefit from, or did you fully benefit from the meditation or were you kind of like...
7: Not not the same way as, as if, if somebody guided me, but I get right. the meditation part of it and then it comes naturally the next thing to do because I, I, I wrote it down first because I wanted it to be about the breath, keep it simple. And and also if you can learn to observe your thoughts instead of sometimes we get confused with thinking we are our thoughts, right? And, yeah. and, and that's kind of the big thing. If, if I'm not my thoughts, who who am I? Body used to tell me, hey, Dennis, it's not a problem for you to clear your mind from thoughts. You, you've got
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> in my head, during that, was your, your voice, to be honest. Uh, hey, uh,
1: I'm too, too back in the head. Any uh, Parks and Recreation fans, anybody watch that series? They, they sent the guy that was kind of the... Uh, to to a meditation thing and he was rebelling and didn't want to do anything. He said, I sat there during the entire meditation, did not listen to anything, did not have a single thought the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else before we close? Good conversation today. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. I you. Enjoy. Yeah, really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. And then we'll, you. we'll take it from here. Uh, one thing, I, my takeaway from this would be when I approach something I'm reading to open my heart to it and say, you know, I don't have this figured out. I'm open to whatever's here that I'm not seeing and just see what happens. That's how I try to approach all of the, the stuff I read, and I'm amazed at the things that come out at times. If I don't talk to you guys, and have a great week, and we'll see you next week. Hello, this is Buddy C. I wanted to make you aware of several recovery-related resources that I've posted in the episode description. These resources include a list of recovery podcasts, a free sober meditation app, daily recovery email, shared Google recovery calendars. Hope you put some of these resources to use and have a great week.
3: Thank you for
0: listening to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast.
1: If you enjoyed this episode,
3: please share it with your friends in recovery.